Well, let's do that. Uh, Turn in your Bible with me, please, back to the book of Proverbs, to Proverbs chapter 3. If you're just joining us, we are in a verse-by-verse study of the book of Proverbs. Uh, This is a great book. Uh, It is a book of wisdom. It's a book designed to apply the truth of God to life. Um, This is the easiest book in the Bible to apply. Uh, You literally can read one verse, uh, and they're not, not all like that, but most of Proverbs, you can read one verse and immediately know two things, what God thinks and what he wants you to do about it. And uh, very, very easy to apply, and because of that, uh, it's a favorite book of uh, many Christians. Uh, Interestingly enough, this book was written really for young people. It was written, uh, you picture teenagers, uh, young men and women who are getting ready to depart home, to go on to be independent, uh, responsible adults. And, um, and so it, it's really written with young people in mind, but, but because of that, it, it serves as somewhat of a parenting manual. Um, that, that's not the only purpose of it, but especially these first ten chapters that we find ourselves in right now, um, it, it, it's a parent. It's a parent talking to his children, and, and the perspective of the book is, and, and maybe you've done it, maybe you're a grandparent, a lot of you guys are grandparents, and, and maybe around the holidays, uh, Christmas and Thanksgiving, uh, with your family gathered together, there was a, uh, we call them parenting moments in our family, uh, where maybe little Johnny or little Susie needed some attention from mom and dad, and so mom or dad pulled them aside and instructed them. And as the grandparent, you got to sort of listen over the shoulder to that conversation and watch mom and dad ministering uh, the gospel and, and biblical instruction and training uh, to children in the midst of maybe a, a discipline situation or something like that. And, and that's kind of the, the perspective of Proverbs. We get, to, we get to look over the shoulder of Solomon. We get to peer, peer in, uh, over um, uh, th- this, you know, you can see him with his kids, and, and, and we get to kind of eavesdrop on this conversation that he's having with his children and, and thus be instructed ourselves in terms of our own parenting, our own grandparenting. Uh, and again, if... Uh, you have no short people in your life, that's okay, because we have plenty of them here at Grace Bible Church, and we need you to come alongside and help as we uh, equip parents and, and minister to children in a variety of ways. So it, what, wherever you're at, uh, you're stuck. I hate to tell you, you're stuck helping the children uh, that we, we have here, and that's a, such a blessing and an honor to do that. So Proverbs chapter 3, uh, let's look at where we've come from. We're going to review. Uh, we ran out of time last time. We want to get back to... Um, Verse 5, where we left off, but just uh, by way of review and context, let's look at the section we're in right now. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 1, My son, do not forget my, te- my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. For length of days and years of life and peace they will add to you. Do not let kindness and truth leave you. Bind them around your neck, write them on the tablet of your heart, so you will find favor and good repute in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil, and it will be healing to your body and refreshment to your bones. Um, there are some of the most wonderful verses there. Uh, that, that verse, Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5, I think that was one of the first Bible verses I ever learned as a child. And uh, so these are special verses. Uh, 
uh, for me and I know for many of you. So let's, uh, let's unpack, we'll review a little bit, and then we'll land back in verse 5 where we left off, okay? So on your notes there, uh, we're calling this the heart of training, the heart of training. And again, I'm going to pivot between two main applications. Uh, one application right here is if you're a young person, if you're a teenager or college student, uh, junior high student, this book is for you. And, I, and every, every time you come to Sunday school, I want you to remember that this is, this is really God's specific message for you in the age range that you're in, in the season of life that you're in. And uh, so there are things here, young person, that God wants you to hear. And, uh, and I'll try to, to make that clear um, in terms of the application here. And then we'll pivot out of that into this parenting mode. Because remember, it, it really is a book uh, that helps and comes alongside parents as we think about training our young people both in our home and as a church as we come alongside parents and children and help them as well. So notice, uh, just out of the gate, we talked about this last time, we'll just kind of wave our hands at it. Um, the, the, the context, the, the larger context here of the book of Proverbs, uh, that was a little junior high moment for me right there. I'm still getting my voice back here. So there we are, right? Student ministry. Um, Hear, don't forsake, receive, don't forget, keep, hear, give attention, hear, accept, give attention. Is that what it sounds like in your home too? I mean, do your kids listen and obey the first time that you just, you know, tell them something? Or is it like you feel like you have to, you know, gently grab them and and have them face you and and it's like uh, put down the iPad, right? And look at your mother. Look at your father. I want 100% of attention. And then, do your kids do this sometimes? They can be looking at you, but they are not with you. Have you noticed this? Okay, so eye contact does not necessarily mean attention. So, and, and we kind of, any, any parent that reads Proverbs has to laugh at, at several points because you're like, yeah, of course. I mean, this is a seasoned parent. We know exactly what this is about. But, but notice, j- just to point it out to you, this is parenting. This is normal parenting 101. It's, it's drawing their attention. It's teaching. It's asking them to listen and to pay attention and not forget. Because remember, you're, you're competing with things that are way, way more interesting than you are, at least in their minds. Um, and so uh, th- this, is, this is a call that, that as a parent we have to be dialed in to this, this commitment here to Get them to, to pay attention, to not forget, to receive, meaning to take to heart, to accept, to, to buy into the truth of Scripture. You, you understand that, that so much of parenting is, um, is helping our children to think about life from a biblical perspective. That, that, that's a lot of what parenting is. is it's, it's saying, son, daughter, here's how God wants you to think about this area of life. How to think about how to treat your brother, how to think about whether that uh, video game is good for you or not, how to think about how to handle that situation with your friends. It's, it's helping them to learn God's way of thinking and God's way of living. And what that means is they have to hear what God has to say, they have to remember it, right? And, th- and then they have to buy into it, they have to agree with it such that they begin to live life out the way God says things are, not the way they think that things are. And, and all the while, what's around most of our children are many other voices telling them the way that things should be, telling them how they should think with things. So, so the scriptures are just one voice in a sea of advice. 
in a sea of influence. And of course, with children, it's not like most children's influences are, hey, come over here. Okay, here, here's how you should handle that situation with your brother or sister. It, it, it's not... It doesn't come didactically. It doesn't come usually, uh, you know, whether it's advertising or social media, with just telling kids what to think. It's modeled. It's demonstrated. It's through what they're watching and seeing and listening to. It's, it's illustrated, and that's what makes it so dangerous because children who are already naive and don't know how to be discerning like mature Christian adults, not, not only do they already have that, that naive uh, uh, portion going on in their life, but they don't realize that they're being influenced by all these other things around them. So it, again, I, I'm, I'm, I'm beating the pulpit a little bit on this this morning, but it's so, so important, mom and dad, grandparent, uh, a wanna worker, that we, we see the message here, we see the call to do this. We cannot take our hands off of the steering wheel of training children, because if we do, there are all sorts of other influences and, and those influences will win the day if we're not careful. Okay, so we looked at this last time. Keep, don't forget. The problem of forgetfulness, that our children need to hear God's instructions, not once, not twice, but over and over again, because they are prone to forget and not remember. And so, so we, we draw them in. Don't forget my instruction. That's what Solomon says. My son, don't forget my teaching. You're, you're gonna be challenged to, to think that, you know, that, that, um, uh, you know, that, that, uh, game you're playing, uh, on your phone with your friends is much more interesting, much more compelling, which means you, you long forget what you learned in Sunday school on Sunday. So, son, listen, this is important, and we, we appeal to them at that level. Set, but let your heart keep my commandments. That's the goal in parenting. It's heart level obedience. It's a trust in God that leads to an obedient action in life. And we want to show kids, verse 2, the blessings and benefits of obeying God. And, and again, if we, if we look at, at modern day marketing and advertising, they are geniuses when it comes to this sort of thing. Just, do you do this with your kids? We, we usually don't watch commercials as often as possible in our home, but occasionally, you know, watch a commercial. And watch how the appeal process works, right? How advertising works. There's some good or service that they want to sell you. And they are not going to say, you know, you should buy our brand of baked beans because our brand is the best. That's not what they do. They're going to show you pictures. They're going to have music. They're going to have reasons. They're going to do scientific studies. They're going to show happy, smiley people eating the baked beans, you can't have a good time unless you're eating our baked beans. And, and, and it, it's crazy when you look at it objectively. And, and maybe um, some of you college students back there, you've had a basic marketing or advertising class, and you know you study this sort of thing in school. And it's really, really interesting. And, and, and you think um, the Bi- that they're actually stealing some of that from the Bible because the Bible is saying we want to sit down and show our children this is God's way and this is why it's good for you. This is the blessing. This is the benefit. We, we don't want it to be a, a stuffy monologue of black and white conversation. We want it to be um, dialogue and colorful and, and compelling and interesting and, and, and we're, we're calling young people to think about the benefits of walking with God versus the liabilities of, of not walking with God and, and painting that picture. Um, that, that's what it says here. Length of days and years of life and peace they will add to you. Son, wh- why would you want to go any other way? 
Um, and then as part of that, we looked at this back in chapter 1, we, we helped them to see through the deception of all those other promises that are promising them love and blessing and happiness and enjoyment and help them to see that those things that the world offers are deceptive. You know, they're they're fun for a little while, and then they kill you, right? They're enjoyable for a little while, then they enslave you. You know, they're they're fun, and then they become your master. And all of of a sudden, you, you you are at the mercy of that hobby or that relationship or that addiction or whatever it is. Okay, so now, again, this assumes the parents' instructions are God's instructions. And, and this, this is a call that we need to make sure if we're going to minister to young people that we really know the Bible and we're living that out, we're modeling it, and we're teaching it. Secondly, we looked last time at training your heart. He says, do not let kindness or truth leave you. The word kindness means faithful love. It's that common uh, word we see in the Scripture, usually translated loving kindness or steadfast love. And, and, uh, and this parent, Solomon, says to his son, do not let kindness and truth leave you. That's a call, young person, remember that, to, to look in the mirror and ask this question, what kind of person am I? Uh, what, what do I see coming out of my heart? And what would God say of me that I am a kind, faithful person? And also that second word, which uh, it could mean truth, but it probably more has the idea of faithfulness or trustworthiness, uh, what kind of person am I? How do I treat people? What kind of person am I? Those, those, those two words ask questions of us. And, uh, and these, are the, these are some of the goals that we want to uh, be building into our young people. Now notice those two words come several times in the Bible describing character that is like God. So, so as a parent, what we're doing is we're, we're calling our children to turn to the Lord and to strive to be men and women of character like God in, in terms of his character. Now, how is that developed? That this, is, this is the $100 question for, care, for parenting. I know that's the goal. How do I do it? Well, look at what it says here. Do not let kindness and truth leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. There, there it is. The, the way that these character qualities are built into our children is not through social media. It's not through the perfect parenting app. Uh, it's not through entertainment. It comes when children are actively internalizing the things of God and the Word of God, which means there is, there is an instruction, that there's a time in God's Word, that there's a reflection on it, there's a repetition. It, it's, um, it's Deuteronomy 6, right? You, you speak about the things of the Lord when you sit down and when you rise up and when you go to the grocery store and when you come home and when you're at the ball field. And, and, and it just at any what, what um, Lou Priolo calls it, in the milieu of life, we are living out the things of God. We are talking about the things of God. We are engaging our children in the things of God. And it's when it's actively internalized that we see the Word of God begin to do its work. These little metaphors here, bind them around your neck, write them on the tablet of your heart. And again, that assumes parents have taught and modeled it. So this is where parent, grandparent, we look in the mirror and say, hey, am I doing this? You know, is, is what's coming out in my dialogue with my, my grandson, is it mostly about other things or is it mostly about the things of the Lord and, and bringing God's view of life into every realm? Now, now notice, uh, again, this is all review for those of you that, that weren't here last week, that word tablet of the heart reminds us that the heart needs training and can be trained. Our, our children don't, if you notice this, um, you know, you go to the store and you buy a brand new computer 
and you bring it home and you expect that computer, it's brand new, right? It's got its operating system. It's got its office software on there. It's got productivity software. Right out of the box, you turn it on. It's ready to go, right? Uh, children don't come into the world like that. They come into the world needing training, needing programming, needing instruction. And uh, this is not, uh, don't get the wrong idea. Um, children need training, and they can be trained, but we're not talking about uh, what uh, the psychologist B.F. Skinner called the blank slate, right? Children are not a blank slate, and then, you know, you kind of write, you know, put the program on that, and that determines who they are. No, no, no. Children do not come into the world as a blank slate. They come into the world as a depraved slate. As I often say, they're cute, but they're depraved, right? Um, so that helps us. Jeremiah 17:9. the heart is wicked. Uh, let's see. Deceitful above all things and desperately wicked or desperately sick, who can know it? Uh, Terry just uh, just reminded us of Romans chapter 3 last week, leading up to verse 21, about the depravity of man. And, and that's, tr- that's true for the short people, too. I was talking, um, talking this week to a, a new mom. And, um, you know, new moms do not have, you don't have to teach them this. Right, because they they know right out of the gate, and she, and she she was talking about the the terrible twos. Remember those? Some of you have blocked that out of your memory. The terrible twos. Remember way back then? You know you know what the terrible twos are? Theologically speaking, biblically speaking, you know what the terrible twos are? Right? It's when your child has developed enough physically to be able to manifest their depravity in more sophisticated ways. That's the terrible twos. It's not like, you know, the deception is you think when they turn two, boom, a switch happens and all of a sudden they were really nice and pleasant and now they're horrible. That's not the case there. The depravity has been there. They just lack the developmental sophistication to demonstrate that in all of its wonder to you and me as parents. So... That, that's, uh, so, so the heart is, is not a blank slate. It's bent toward wickedness. That's Romans 1. It's bent toward going away from God instead of toward Him. So ultimately we saw last time a new heart that comes in the gospel when a person trusts in Jesus Christ. And Ezekiel talks about uh, that heart surgery, spiritual heart surgery. That's ultimately what's needed. Okay, so we talked last time, this is where we left off, how to think about training the heart of our children. We called it pre-redemption training and post-redemption training. Um, Here's the question I asked you last time. If our children's hearts need Jesus, right, they need a new heart, what's the point of training them until they become genuine believers? What's the point? And that's actually a really good theological question to ask. And you know what a lot of parents do is is, is they, they just make... Uh, parenting about behaviorism, just just teaching behavior, you know, just you know, have table manners and say yes, sir, and no, ma'am, and, and and those are good things, but we miss the goal of of the vision here if we make parenting just about teaching behavior or teaching manners. That pre-redemption training should be evangelistic. It should be designed to teach children the things of God, so that what, so that the law becomes a tutor. That leads them to Christ. That, that, that the instructions of God, the things of God, the ways of God, the, um, the commands of God, that all of those things are shaping and training and working. And I used the analogy last week of, you know, like, like you have a flower bed. And that flower bed, like maybe your flower bed looks like my flower bed right now, it needs some attention. And so you go through and you pull out all the old stuff and you pull out the rocks and you till the soil. You put some fertilizer down. You put some, some of that good uh, potting soil in there. And, and you, you do all of this work so that when God chooses to renew 
bring salvation to the heart of that child, now you have a flower bed where that child can grow and thrive. So we, we don't say, well, my, my kids aren't saved yet, so I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna, and all this is in vain. All this is in vain, and there's no need to do it. No, there's pre-redemption training that's needed to prepare them for the things of God, for the day when God may be pleased to save them. And then we can disciple them, right? We can actually use the Word of God and help them to walk in uh, the things of God as a new Christian. Okay, now that's where we left off, so pick this up in your notes here. Um, What are the benefits, verse 4, of these things? So you will find favor and good repute in the sight of God and of men. Okay, Um, what is this saying? Uh, Favored is just the word grace. And uh, th- this is this is a challenging word here. You will find favor that we kind of understand that. My Bible says good repute in verse four. There, what, what does your verse say? Favor and what? High esteem, High esteem. Success. success, good name. Okay. Anytime you see a diversity in translations, that that usually tells you the original is unclear in some way. And, and that, that's what's represented here. Um, in, in my word study um, of this word, it, it can mean uh, many different things. Um, good insight, understanding, prudence, good reputation. Um, so I, I'm thinking that it actually means something closer to prudence or wisdom or insight. It, it could mean, hey, when, when you act like this young person, people are, you're going to develop a good reputation. And that's, that could be part of the way to take it. And, and we, say, we say to our young people, hey, as you grow in responsibility and maturity and kindness and truth, um, people are going to want to hire you. They're going to want to work with you. They're going to enjoy you being a part of a team in sports or in, in, in some other realm of life. And, and you develop a good reputation, and that's good. Probably what this means is not so much a good reputation as it is uh, wisdom and prudence. As you practice kindness and truth, you develop the wisdom of a young person in that moment. And that's why it says, in the sight of God and of man. When, when a young person grows in kindness and truth, not only does that give them a, 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 good, um, a good relationship with others around them in sort of the horizontal plane, but what else? In the vertical plane also, God is pleased, God is honored when he sees our young person engaging in kindness and truth. Okay? Side of both God and men. Did you get that? In the side of both God and men, there's a vertical and a horizontal component. Now, now we get to the heart of all this. Uh, what, what is behind this, this pursuit of God, the pursuit of His commandments, the, the pursuit of character like kindness and truth? How do we, how do we do that? Well, this is the heart of training the heart. Okay? We we'll call it the heart of training the heart. Look at verse 5 with me. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your body and refreshment to your bones. Verse 5, fully trust the Lord. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Okay. Do you know what that means? Now, this is we got to get real, real basic here. We are prone to trust God with part of our heart, not all of it. Are you with me? Do you see that in your heart, like I see it in mine? 
We are prone to trust God in some of our heart, in parts of our heart, but not all of it. Now, now, how? And, and let, can, I, can we just stop and kind of think about that for a minute? Because we, we can blow right over this verse. I know I'm supposed to trust God with all my heart. Okay, I know it. Let's not do that. Okay. Here's what I want. How do you identify areas of your heart that are trusting Him? And how do you identify areas of your heart that are not trusting Him? How do you do that? Because the command here is trust Him with all your heart. That's everything. And of course, by heart, He means with everything that you are. Okay? You're the whole person. How do you do that? And, and, And this is the thing. Okay? This is really, really important. The way you discover who you're trusting is by looking at the effects in your life. Look at the effects of different areas of your life. I'll give you an example. Um, Anger or anxiety or irritation or jealousy. What are those? Those are negative emotions. Yeah, they're negative emotions. Negative emotions are the effect of a heart that is not trusting God in that particular area in that situation. That, that, that's, that's what negative emotions do. They, they point back to a heart that is trusting in the wrong thing. Do you see that? So, so you may say, you know what? I don't worry at all about my finances. I'm, whether we have plenty or whether we are in want, God has just been so gracious to us and he's provided for us. So I just, I just don't worry about the checkbook. Well, praise God for that. that. That means you're probably trusting him in your heart for your finances. But what does keep you up at night, what does become a source of fretting and worrying is that relationship in your life, right? And that relationship is a source of worry and anxiety and frustration and concern. And so you say, okay, that, that, that anxiety, that worry points back to an area of my life where I'm not trusting him. Do you see that? So, so, so the, the takeaway, and this is not the only way, but I just want to give you one real practical thing. Follow your emotions, And if you follow your emotions back far enough, you find a heart that is trusting in either the Lord or is trusting in something else. And so that's one way. If we're going to obey this command to trust in the Lord with all of our heart, we have to identify what are those areas, what are those ways where I tend to not trust the Lord in my heart. If you're like most Christians, you probably have some areas where you are trusting God. And, and that's great. Praise God for that. But you also have areas where you're not. And that's where this, that's where this verse needs to do its work the most. Okay? So trust in the Lord with all your heart. And, 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 and young person, I would say to the teenagers or the college students here, th- this is a call to abandon every other resource, every other allegiance, every other love for the God that made you and for the God that died for you and for the God that calls you into relationship with him. This is a call, young person, to take up your cross and follow Jesus. It really is. It's to let him own your heart. It's to have no other allegiance or love or trust than the Lord Jesus Christ. And we want to pray for you 
that we would help you to know what that means in your life and how to follow Christ in this way. But, but it means you have to look at your heart. And, and, and I, I, said, I said this to somebody this week. I said, you've got, you got to look in the mirror and ask yourself this question. Who am I living for? Who am I living for? Now, it's interesting. Watch how this develops. I'm gonna, actually, let me, I'll just put all these up here, okay? And I know you're going to start frantically writing to fill in your blanks. That's okay. Go ahead and do that. Um, because he's saying the same thing three different ways. He, he, okay. Um, you want to fill your blanks in first, or do you want to listen? <laughs> see, that, that, see, when I do that, I don't see any of your eyes anymore. I see this. So, okay, so just, just take a minute. Just fill the blanks in. Go ahead. Okay, all right. So, so what he, in these verses, he's going to say, he's really going to say two things. He's gonna, let me just tell you this. He's going to say, trust in the Lord with all of your heart and do not trust yourself. Okay, there's the message, okay? Do this, don't do that. But he's going to say it three different ways. He's going to say it positively three different ways and he's going to say it negatively three, three different ways. But it's basically the same message. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not Trust in yourself, okay? So how, how does this come together? Look at Trust in the Lord with all your heart and what? Do not lean on your own understandings. Do you see the contrast? You can trust in God or you can trust in yourself. You cannot do both, okay? In all your ways acknowledge Him. There it is. Trust in the Lord. He will make your path straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. See? Don't trust in yourself. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. Okay, so uh, if, you, if you want it real simple here, he says, um, trust, um, acknowledge, fear the Lord. Okay, those are the three positive ways he's going to say, trust the Lord, turn to him, lean on him. And then he's going to say, do not lean He's going to say, um, do not be wise. He's going to say, turn away from evil. So he's saying the same thing, three different ways, three different ways, positive ways, negative ways, but don't miss the point, okay? Trust him fully. Do not trust yourself, okay? That, that's the point. Now let's look at how this develops here, okay? Back to the text. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. Sometimes Christians misunderstand that word, or this verse here. Do not lean on your own understanding. That's not saying, that's not saying that trusting God means you don't have to have information about Him. To lean on your own understanding does not mean that what I learn from the Bible, what I learn from Bible study, what I learn in my meditation on the things of God, what I learn from theology, that I should not depend upon the truth of God. And I'm here to tell you, this is not a command that says, do not, append, do not depend upon the ways of God, the things of God, the Word of God. Of course that's what we're to depend on. How, how else do we depend on the Lord unless we know what He says and who He is? Okay, so this is not, listen clearly, this is not a command to not depend on the word of God. Not what it means. Sometimes I hear Christians say that. It's a command, do not lean on your own understanding. So 
you trying to figure things out for you, apart from the things of God, apart from the Word of God. Okay, so trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. And so, young person, this this is all those other messages, all those other voices. Here's how you should think about relationships. Here's how you think about entertainment. Here's how you think about your friends. Here's how you think about your money. Here's how you think about what's fun. The Bible says, do not buy into that. Lean on God's assessment. Lean on His wisdom and His opinion. In his instruction, okay? Do not lean on your own understanding, your own wisdom. And, and we see this in other places in Scripture, don't we? Matthew 6. No one can serve... See, there it is. It, it, it's the same message, but a different metaphor. Okay? Or, I, I'm going to have you turn here to this one. Hold your place here. Turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. I, I want to show you the New Testament version of this verse, okay? 2 Corinthians Chapter 5. While you're, while you're turning there, um, why did Jesus die on the cross? Okay? Why did Jesus die on the cross? You know where I'm going. Uh, why did he die on the cross? Well, he died to forgive me of my sin. Well, sure he did. He died to make atonement before God. He died to satisfy the wrath of God in what we call propitiation. He desired, died to free us from the bondage of sin, of slavery to sin. That's called redemption. He, he died to adopt us into his family. He died to, to free us from uh, life of sin, to walk in newness of life. Yes, 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 that's all true. But I want you to see what this verse says is the reason that Jesus died on the cross. Obviously, it's a multifaceted reason. But here's one we don't often think about, okay? 2 Corinthians chapter 5, are you there? Verse 15, it says... And he died, by context that he is Jesus. So, and Jesus died for all. Watch this. So that, here's the purpose. They who live might no longer live for... Did you get that? Jesus died to free you from the bondage for living for you. To free you from the bondage of living for self. And, and okay, so he died so that I would no longer live for myself, but what? But for him who died and rose again on their, ba- on their behalf. The gospel is about dying to living for self and taking up the cause of living for Jesus. That is what the Proverbs are trying to help us to see. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Live for Him. Do not lean on your own understanding. Do not live for yourself, young person. Do not live to please you. Live to please Him. There's only two choices on the shelf, we've heard it said, right? Trusting God or trusting self. So there it is, 2 Corinthians 5.15. Jesus died to free us from the bonds of living for self and calling us into relationship by grace through faith in the Lord Jesus alone to live for His smile, for His glory, for His purpose, for His honor, for His fame. That's what life is about. Back to Proverbs. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. Verse 6, I love this. In all your ways acknowledge Him. On your notes there, cultivate the habit of knowing God in every area of your life. Because it's easy to say, I want to trust Jesus in every area of my heart. I want to trust God with all of my heart. How do you do that? Can I, can I tell you the most, hope, the most helpful verse in the Bible 
to do this. Ready? It's the next verse. You know, you, you do that in precept studies and Bible studies. You're like, what does this mean? How do I do that? Let's go. If I just keep reading, God tells me how to do it, right? So trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your understanding. How do I do that? How do I cultivate that? Young person, if you want to do this, how do you do that? Here's how you do it. In all your ways, acknowledge him. When you get up in the morning, you acknowledge him. When you sit down for breakfast, you acknowledge him. When you are getting ready, you acknowledge him. When you go on to work, you acknowledge him. When you're in your car listening to the radio, you acknowledge him. When you get to the office and you sit down at your desk, you acknowledge him. When you get to school in your classes and it's you're tired and you're not awake yet and it's a boring class, acknowledge him, acknowledge him, acknowledge him. Uh, Psalm 16 has, says the same thing, but it's, it's, it's a, it says it differently, and I like the metaphor here. Um, it says this um, uh, in Psalm 16. Um, I have set the Lord continually before me. Isn't that a great way to think about it? We are prone to live as sort of functional atheists, which means you get up, you get your coffee, and you, you know, I'm, I'm an atheist till I get my coffee. Okay, we'll talk about that another day. Um, listen, it, it, is, it is the proneness that we have to forgetting about God in the ordinary things of life. So here's Psalm 16, okay? I have set the Lord continually before me. Active, ongoing uh, idea of the verb, okay? Which means, he, as I go through life, Jesus is going to do this. He's got, okay, and then i got to set him before me again. And then I'm moving on in life, and then, oh, Jesus, okay, i got to set him before me again. It's this idea that I'm always conscious of thinking about the things of God, of thinking about the presence of God, knowing that he is prone, because of my own fallenness, of scooting out of the direction, the focus of my life. There he goes over there. Oh, there he goes over there. And I pick him up, and I put him in front of me and say, Lord, I want you to be the center of what I'm doing right now. I'm going to acknowledge you in my heart. I'm going to seek to please you in my ways. I'm going to think about what does your word say about how I should do this. And I'm constantly putting Jesus in the center of my life. I have set the Lord continually before me. And because he's at your right hand, you will not be shaken, the text says. Okay? So acknowledge Jesus in all your ways. That, that's Psalm 16.8. Colossians 1.18. Jesus is here to have first place in everything. Make him first place. Young person, college student, make Jesus first place in every endeavor, in every part of your life. Don't let any area of your life be an area where Jesus, in a functional way, in terms of your acknowledging of him, you're thinking about him, you're thinking how do you honor him, what does his word say about what you should be doing, and your desire to please him or glorify him in that moment. Don't let any realm of life exist where that is not happening. And know that this side of heaven, the, the proneness of Psalm 16 is Jesus is gonna, he's gonna always be sliding to the peripheral of life. That's always gonna happen because we're still fallen here, right? And so we have to consciously, by grace through faith, bring him back to the center. In all your ways, acknowledge him. And guess what? He'll straighten out your life. That's right. That's right. He will straighten out your life. That doesn't mean Jesus takes all your problems away. What it does mean is because he is at your right hand, finish it, I will not be shaken. 
He's with you in the value. He's with you in the problems. He's with you in the affliction. He's with you in the grief. It doesn't mean every all your problems go away. It means he's at your right hand and you can't lose. Because he's there. He's working. He's, he's walking with you. He's bearing that burden. What, what, you know, this Psalm 23, what does it say? Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will not fear for you're with me. The whole Bible resonates with the truth that we're reading here. He'll make your paths straight. So do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. Okay. Let me just give you the last couple of blanks and we'll come back. We're out of time here. Um, We'll talk about this, but these pursuits bring strength and refreshment is what it says there. It will be healing to your body and refreshment to your bones. Okay? This is important enough. We'll, we'll put a comment in our notes and we'll come back and we'll finish this next time. And um, But uh, let's, uh, let's set the Lord continually before us. All right. Lord, thanks for this challenge to uh, acknowledge you in all our ways, to, to trust you with our whole heart to always be setting the Lord Jesus continually before us so that he would have first place and he would be the one that we strive to honor and live for in our life. Lord, we pray for our young people that they would be striving after uh, this this relationship with you, um, striving by grace through faith in him, and that we who are um, who are parents, grandparents, adult leaders, that we would be modeling what it means Uh, to walk with the Lord Jesus in this way. Lord, would you help us even today as we uh, carry on with uh, a morning of worship and uh, an afternoon of um, activity that um, we would be setting the Lord always before us, acknowledging him in all our ways. And Lord, may you be honored as uh, we seek to do that for your glory. In Christ's name, amen.